0: What is up guys? It's Matt Whitmore here of Fitter Food Radio. I'm absolutely buzzing about this episode, episode number 35 to be exact. As always, Keris is with me. How you doing Keris? Good, thanks. Awesome. <laughs> How's your day I'm been never, so far? I'm never ever going
1: to give you any more of an interesting answer I know. than... Need to than of, I you think of something
0: exciting to say. I'm good, cheers. We, we, need, we need to have a. I think we just start leading more separate lives. I know. So we can actually pretend that we don't already it's know just what's a, been going on.
1: It's a fake question because I've been with you all day and then you say, How are you doing? I know. But <laughs> I'm how, fine. How, how else do
0: I introduce you? <laughs> anyway, so guys, this episode um, is with the awesome James Hanley uh, of Revolution Fitness. James is an expert Zumba instructor who mm-hmm. um, specializes in twerking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's also a strength coach. Um, and we actually had the pleasure of meeting James uh, in Barcelona, of all places. Super knowledgeable guy, super strong, uh, has got two gyms on the go. Um, and one of them is dedicated purely to getting women super strong and sexy. So, James, what's up, bro? How you doing?
2: I'm oh, good, man. Thanks. How are you?
0: Very good, mate. How's the twerking coming on? Yeah, better than expected, considering my size. Good, <laughs> man. good man.
1: Can we see videos?
0: You don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> so, mate, uh, just just tell our, tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself, your background, qualifications, etc., and you know why they should listen to you, basically.
2: Okay. So, as Matt said, I'm an expert Zumba instructor who loves twerking. (laughs) (laughs) My name is James Hanley, but I also also love strength training. So, I have two gyms in uh, Dublin, as Matt said, one solely devoted to uh, getting girls stronger and sexier. So basically, in our gyms, there's two things we do. We turn dudes into bad-looking motor truckers and we get them (laughs) stronger than they ever imagined possible. Um, And then we make make girls hot by teaching them how to train with weight safely and effectively. And then after a few weeks, you just let the addiction of getting stronger take over because any girl who's ever actually done some strength training very quickly becomes addicted to it because she can see the progress so fast.
0: I I actually think women tend to get more excited about
2: it than men yeah, sometimes. yeah I'd agree with that. Yeah. Know? Like seeing a girl deadlift for the first time, it's just like it's this thing they've never even imagined before. So when they can pick something heavy up off the floor and do it safely, it's like it's like this light bulb goes off over their head and yeah. they're like, Shit, This is cool.
0: And also they they have this realisation that, oh my God, I don't have to do three sets of thirty reps. This is amazing. Yeah
1: exactly. Yeah. Or spend hours on a treadmill or cross trainer
2: or work include kickbacks and pushdowns yeah <laughs> <laughs> your your background is primarily strength
0: yeah and we we, we did put it out to our um, our uh, followers on Facebook you know with some questions for you and we've we've certainly got some good questions that we can get into, but first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your approach? We spoke briefly before we kicked off the episode about kind of starting from the ground up um, so how how would you work with someone who's just kind of come into your gym you know Maybe pretty newish to, to, to training and, and they want to work with you and get strong, etc.
2: Okay, um, so I've got to credit this idea to a guy called Robbie Burke. Uh, Robbie's a strength coach here in Ireland, but I kind of robbed the idea of the athletic pyramid off of him. And he always talks about um, this idea that if you want to build the biggest pyramid or the tallest pyramid, you need to start with the widest base. Yeah. So ev- everything now becomes a level in the pyramid and it becomes the next level. And the bigger that level is, the higher you can build the full pyramid. So the first step in, in building somebody up from a starting point is making sure their baseline is in place. So that's nutrition, that's sleep, that's recovery, it's stress management. Um, I won't go into it too much here because I know you guys have done a ton of stuff on it. But basically, like the baseline we look for is three to four meals a day of real food, eight hours of sleep a night, and once you're doing that, you're probably pretty set to move on. And um, from there, we always talk about quality first, so mechanics over intensity. Uh, In other words, if you're not moving safely and effectively, if you don't have adequate uh, hip, ankle and upper back mobility and good stabilization through the major joints, there's no point trying to load them. You don't want to stack strength on top of dysfunction because you'll just blow up in an even bigger way down the road. So a lot of it comes down to just kind of doing a basic assessment on somebody's movement and seeing what sort of movements are eliminated, what sort of movements we can charge hard at and then the sort of correctives we need to put in place to bring them up to a standard where we're happy with where they are. From there, um, like the next level is work capacity. And work capacity is, is really simple. We measure it as, can you go for an hour long walk at a reasonable pace without collapsing? <laughs> <laughs> because ultimately, at the end of the day, you're coming to a gym to train. You're starting a strength training program to build your overall physical capacity. And once you have that very bare minimum level down, then we'll worry about building the rest up in you. So the thing with work capacity is like the more you can get done in a session, the uh, the better your end results will be. Yeah. So the more quality work you can do obviously. We'll talk about this in the midst later on, but you should never try and do like do more stuff for that which could be done with less. So yeah. if you can do like five sets of five and get away with it, what's the point in doing 10 sets of five? Okay, so minimum effective dose really. From there then, the next two levels are the big ones, their body composition and their strength. Um, body composition is super important because, look, there's no point being the strongest dude in the room if you look like you just smashed a plate full of donuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> like, at the end of the day, I think most guys and girls would agree the main reason why they start training is start lifting weights because they want to look better naked. Yeah. <laughs> and even if they won't admit that, they know it's in there somewhere. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so kind of strength and getting stronger is the vehicle that helps them get there, and then making sure your body composition is in line first is... Is super important like as a general guideline what we're looking at is guys around 15 to 17 percent body fat range and then girls 7 to 10 percent higher maybe 22 to 25 to percent um, and once we're there we're kind of happy enough to push on and start getting people stronger and the strength stuff the strength stuff is so simple man my background is in is in powerlifting and I had a pretty pretty healthy stint as a national champion I was undefeated through I think six or seven years in Ireland And it all boiled down to just doing the basics. So no fancy stuff, just picking main movements, picking things that will help them, and then just working to make those stronger consistently. So that's the strength side of things, and we'll kind of dig into that now in a few minutes. Uh, And then at the very top of the pyramid is power output. So you've got strength, speed, speed, strength, speed, but let's just disregard that for now because it's, it's not really important. So one of the things that always comes up again and again is how do I change the pyramid for females and how do I change it for girls? uh and to be honest we don't um, <laughs> <laughs> like going back to the start
1: you mean we're not special
2: no you're not a unique snowflake caris i'm sorry thank you, you <laughs> thank you just, just like quick recovery there <laughs> yes yeah, like we're all unique just like everybody else right
1: <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> so yeah like with the girls and um, the only only change we actually make is we increase the intensity. So like, instead of, like let's say a guy working at 85% of his max squat for sets of three, a girl might work closer to 87 or 90% because typically, um, they can handle the higher percentages and get away with it. And then, I'm sure you've seen this yourself as well. Like girls will recover between movements a lot faster. So yeah. whereas a guy might need a three-minute rest period, a girls getting like maybe forty-five to ninety seconds.
0: Sorry, uh, how many rest? How many minutes rest there? Was that? Ah, uh, that...
2: it's it's super case dependent. But like, let's say <laughs> somewhere between ninety seconds to three minutes for a guy, and then for girls, it's like forty-five to 90.
0: Is that three minutes or? <laughs> Sorry, Matt, say that. Again? Is that three three minutes or three minutes?
1: Uh... Shut up, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm just confusing the hell out of you now. He's like, what is he talking about? Okay. Um,
1: so wait, so you what know? was it for women again? It was 90... About 90 seconds.
2: Oh. 45 to 90 seconds. Wow. wow. Just enough time to eat a potato. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, okay, that's kind of that's the basics of our system. Um, do you want me to keep going with common mistakes or do you want to get into your questions? Well, what I was no, going to no, say, yeah. mate,
0: just based on what you've just said, I mean... You know, like, because we are firm believers in just nailing the basics. And if you've got a solid foundation of the basics, then as you said, you know, the kind of top part of the pyramid just comes all the more easier, right? You mentioned kind of about dysfunction. Um, So let's say someone came to you, because this is a big one for me, because I often see people, you know, even with coaches or personal trainers, their coaches just completely ignoring like dysfunction, because all they want to do is get more weight on the bar with their client. So if someone has come to you who has got poor ankle hip mobility etc you know what what is a a realistic time frame or should I say a more common time frame that you work with someone on those issues before you do start loading up the bar etc
2: okay um, and what, really and what would and what would you do I think I could probably approach it a little bit differently to most people so like we still strive for strength gain but we do it on movements that people can actually do right so like Let's just let's take squatting as the simplest example because it kind of covers off all the major like joint movements. So if somebody can't get into the bottom of the squat because their ankles are too tight, so every time they squat down, they either lean forwards or fall over backwards. We'll kind of we'll do two things. If it's not a really severe issue at the ankle, we'll just elevate the heel slightly, like in a pair of weightlifting shoes or a small wooden wedge.
0: Yeah.
2: But if it's a really significant issue where they've got no like where their shin is basically locked up vertical and can't move. Yeah. Like with knees towards toes, we'll usually go on to something like a split squat or something that just kind of facilitates heavy loading, but can still be. So, like, let's say a split squat or a reverse lunge, something that allows them to keep good biomechanical positions, but still being able to smash them with weight. As to actually correcting it, like, we'll look and see, you know, where's it stemming from. And um, so, Mike Boyle has a really good way of talking about this stuff where he talks about joints differing by, by need. So your ankle should be mobile, your knee should be stable, your hips should be mobile, your lower back of course, should be super stable, um, your shoulder blades should be stable, your thoracic spine and arms should be quite mobile. And if yeah. any any sort of dysfunction occurs at any of those junctions, the pain gets passed up or down the chain. Like if someone has tight ankles, you're going to see knee pain. If somebody has pretty crappy hips and poor glute control, it's not too unusual to see back pain, it's not yeah. too unusual to see knee pain. So we kind of look at, at movements first and then see what the issue is and then go always go soft tissue first. So foam rolling, stretching the joint and then finally mobilizing the joint. Uh, with regards to a time frame to actually get that stuff done and get it corrected, it varies but typically if somebody does what I say, um, which is happening with an increasing regularity thankfully, <laughs> we'll usually get there in three weeks but that's like, that's 20-ish minutes a day soft tissue work.
0: And, and, and yes. that's not too much to
2: ask, is it?
1: No, you can do that watching TV at night or, you know, definitely at some point in your lunch hour or something, couldn't you?
2: Yeah, like, Trigger I mean, point if,
1: therapy stuff.
2: if you say you don't have time, I'm going to turn around and ask what your favourite TV show is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, how long you on Facebook last night? Because, look, truthfully, everyone has time. It's just a question of priorities. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. where you invest it. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And in terms of um, when you're doing programming for women, I've heard recommendations of... Um, Sort of taking breaks at ten to twelve weeks, so just based on stress loads that women can handle, um, is that something that that is maybe different, or do you keep with the same programming for guys and girls?
2: Uh, it, when you say break, are you are you talking like about a full break from training? Yeah, like f- a, a whole
1: week off or two weeks off, and then starting again on a new sort of program with new goals, or or do you keep it more continuous? Um,
2: okay, so. When I'm looking at programming, I kind of look at it on a macro cycle, so on say a year-long basis. And obviously this, this isn't for everyone, but just speaking hypothetically, it, I'm of the opinion that it's pretty much impossible to get stronger year-round, yeah. like you can't have 52 weeks of strength training, whether you're a guy or a girl, because eventually what's going to happen is something will break,
1: yeah. or your
2: motivation will fall through the floor. Yeah. So um... kind of with, with, in that context, I usually program females similar to more advanced guys. So like you kind of said there, there'd be an up phase where they spend a bit of time accumulating volume, probably six weeks working like six to 12 reps, and then six weeks much heavier. So again, like between six, between maybe six and one rep at 80-ish to 95%. So yeah, like when it comes to, to programming for consistent strength gains, we'll always have accumulation phases followed by intensification. So always backing off and doing some higher rep stuff and then following on to heavier stuff. And then with regards to actually taking a full week off, what normally happens is life gets in the way. Like people will go on holidays, they'll have a work week, or they have to be in late. It'll be month end or quarter end or something like that. So like most people that I encounter will typically miss a week of training, two to four months anyway. So it almost functions like a deload.
0: In terms of like you going back to what you were talking about earlier, um, why don't you kind of continue with like your flow there before I... Uh...
2: <laughs> went, went,
0: went off track a little bit.
2: Okay, so just talking about strength training and how we how we build our programs then, yeah?
0: Yeah, yeah. So once you've kind of like got people to, you know, nearer to the top of the pyramid and actually start putting some weight on the bar and, and, and start seeing, you know, some more strength gains, um, how, how would you kind of, how would you program that?
2: Okay, sweet. Um, so our, and we kind of discussed this before before we started recording, but our stuff is just so simple and so straightforward. We just picked the basics and we just progressed them over time. So like when it comes to strength training, obviously because of a powerlifting background, I have a massive affinity for squat, bench, and deadlift. Yeah. And I figure if, if they're getting stronger, the entire system, the entire body is getting stronger. And they, you can talk about like pulling strength, like rows and pull-ups, but if they're lagging far behind, then your bench press won't progress anyway. So it's kind of a, a sense check there as well. So every, every training day will start with a main movement. So like let's say, for example... Uh, Would you guys get mostly guys or girls listening to this?
0: Uh, It's a bit of a combo, mate.
2: Mostly women.
0: It is probably mostly
2: women, yeah. yeah. Okay, because I was going to say we'll talk about bench press if it's guys, but we won't. Let's talk about about squats, booty building, and toned legs.
1: Uh, Excuse me, but I'm working on my pecs at the moment,
2: so (laughs) I'll go back to the (laughs) chest. Oh, now I'm at a crossroads.
1: (laughs) Do both, because we get both.
2: both. (laughs) Cool. Okay, let's do both. So let's talk about squatting first then. Essentially, like if you don't know where somebody's starting, you don't know where, whether your programming's working. So what we'll do with everybody is test them. We'll test their one rep max squat up to the point of technical breakdown. So we won't ever put somebody into an unsafe position. But as soon as somebody's, say, knee starts to wobble or their depth on their squat is compromised, where they go hips up first, that's when the test will be over. And that's the number we'll use to, uh, to assess the progress. So let's just say, keep it simple, they squat 100 kilos. The first movement on day one they're going to do as part of the training program is squat. And they're going to go 70 kilos for five sets of eight, where the final set is eight plus. So what happens with beginners a lot of the time is as you start training, you make very rapid progress. Like everyone can remember the first couple of weeks or the first couple of months training where they just kept putting more and more weight on the bar. um, And it just felt like they were going to be, you know, the world's strongest person within about two years. And then that stops. (laughs) Um, So normally what we do is spend six weeks going up heavy. So let's say in week one, they're doing 70% or 70 kilos for five sets of eight. In week two, it would be 75 kilos for sets of six. In week three, it's 80 kilos for sets of four. In week four, it's 85 kilos for sets of four. In week um, five, you're talking 90 kilos for sets of three. And then in week six, you've got 95 kilos for five sets of three. So, you know what, we, we, what
1: it, would drive me there is that decrease in sets alone would drive me to get there.
2: Oh, there's no, there's no decrease in sets. The reps are coming down, but it's staying. Oh, down. so reps were down, weren't they? Yeah, yeah the but sets no sets to say up. Right I hate
1: doing high reps, high sets. So. And,
0: and typically, how many times a week would they squat?
2: We try to get the main movement in twice a week. So, we'll have like one heavy strength focus day. And then one sort of lighter, you know, full body day. So, like, normally we have guys and girls training four times a week if we can. So that's a squat day, a bench press day, a deadlift day. And then a fourth day where it's, like, super setting, say, squat and rows, bench press right. and stiff leg that, something like that.
1: Sounds like Matt's dream gym. This is
0: amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you need to set up shop in London, mate. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and is, yeah. that, is
1: the whole gym doing this together or do you write the programs for individuals?
2: We work off a template of where everyone's kind of following a similar style program, and then we adapt as necessary. Yeah. So, like, with regards to squat, like if you're if you're a beginner, you'll be goblet squatting. Comfortable goblet squatting will probably move you to a high bar back squat, and then once strength becomes the main singularity focus of your training, we'll go to low bar, and uh, smash that. So everyone kind of everyone can fit into the program. Uh, it's just a question of us identifying where you're at at that point in time. Yeah. So it's not it's not unusual to have a class where. There's a girl there who's never had a barbell on her back in her life. Meanwhile, tree racks up, there's a guy squatting 160
1: kilos. Oh, wow. Okay. That's cool.
0: So, because I must admit, a low bar back squat is something I've never really tried. I've tried it and it didn't really feel that good. Uh, but that's probably because yeah. I, I was probably doing it wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, is, would you... Once someone's kind of progressed to a heavy low bar back squat, would you still include high bar or do you have a preference over the two?
2: Um, that's extremely timely, actually. Um, I've, I've, I've spent the last, probably the last two or three years low barring exclusively. Yeah. Um, and it got pretty strong. And then I noticed my leg strength was really bad. So, like, for, for the listeners who wouldn't know, a low bar back squat has to bar across the top of your shoulders rather than across the top of your traps and because it's across the top of your shoulders it's closer to your hip which means you can lean slightly more forwards which means your glutes and hamstrings do more work yeah and your back comes into it a lot more as well
1: i need like uh, to do that more definitely yeah
2: <laughs> but that the problem with that is it kind of opens the door for you to ignore your quad development and internet powerlifting over the last couple of a uh, couple of years has been all about the glutes and hands nothing about uh, nothing about quads yeah so I kind of, I recognised that in me that was a huge weakness. I've started doing a lot of high bar back squats I've spent the last two and a half months doing them and I'm probably going to finish out the rest of the year completely exclusively doing high bar stuff. Um, so really it becomes a question of, you know, what's somebody's weakness, what's their issue, what's the most effective way to train that.
1: Do you not see in women though more of a quad dominant glute hamstring weakness thanks to wearing heels and... and- each other on um, dysfunctional footwear and, and running too much and
2: absolutely and spinning um, too much <laughs> yeah like to be honest it's not just girls it's guys as well because we're so used to playing sports we're so used to running and jumping like yeah most most guys um, and girls are chronically overdeveloped in the quads and chronically yeah. underdeveloped through glutes and hams yeah. to the point where i was training a guy last night and he was saying his um his sports physio is complimenting him on his quads and then when he turned him over to massage his hamstrings he was really disappointed because they were so crap <laughs> yeah um so yeah like with with the squat typically like
0: if if there is some sort of glute or hamstring um issue recognized then the assistance work afterwards becomes something focusing on on those qualities so so when you when you just when you say assisting exercises what kind of things do you mean
2: Okay, so the, the general overview of how our template program works is we'll have a main movement, so your squat, your bench, your deadlift, followed by two assistance movements, so things that will help build the main movement, um, and then finally something a little bit more specific to that person's goal, so either some bodybuilding stuff, some weight carries, some high intensity interval training, something along those lines. But the assistance work itself is really targeted at improving the, the main lift of the day. So it's going to be a full joint compound movement that kind of is similar enough to what the main movement has been. So let's say if you're squatting, the two we might use would be a front squat and a pause squat, where you're waiting in the bottom of the squat for two seconds before standing up. Uh, and both of those are done for five sets of eight. So to be, for example, front squat, five sets of eight, complete all your reps and sets, and then move on and do your um, pause squats afterwards. Awesome. Normally, Normally then on top of that, like, because, you know, if you're doing a lot of high-volume squatting, it's very hard to recover between sets. Yeah. So you'll need, you need a minute, two minutes. We'll usually stack in some sort of prehab work. So some stretching, some shoulder stability work, maybe some um, some overhead activation work, something that kind of will target then that person's weak point while still allowing them to recover adequately from the main, the main movement. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: 100%. And then finally, like, people people want to feel like they've had a really good workout like you know that yourself if you if you don't yeah. leave the gym a sweaty heaving mess it feels like you've almost <laughs> wasted effort yeah. so like this is where we'll have our finishers and um, so if it's somebody like who's a brutally strong guy who wants to get involved in the sport of powerlifting or is competing in strongman we'll look at something like event practice and um, or some sort of weighted carry so like a farmer's carry a sandbag carry something along those lines and um, but for general population, it's usually one of two things. It's either some sort of high intensity circuit, be it, be it a density block, be it a CrossFit style wad, something along those lines, or something focused on a more bodybuilding style approach. So if you're a dude, this is where you're doing your arm work, for example. If you're looking to drop some body fat and improve some problem areas, you might have like 20 seconds of rope slams, 10 second break, 20 seconds of plank, 10 second break, repeat it, you know, five to 10 times and then get the hell out. So you can kind of look at the, the last bit of the workout as being a reward for doing all the hard stuff beforehand. So that the last bit of the workout is the stuff you want, but all the stuff that came before, it's the stuff you really need.
1: I like the way you say it's a reward. <laughs> I'm sure people doing the rope steps are going to disagree with that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> the
1: This is my
0: reward. With regards to uh, benching, then, yes, is it pretty much a similar approach aside from obviously the obvious fact that it's a different exercise or is there quite a big difference considering it's obviously quite a you yeah, know it's a, it's a much smaller muscle group in comparison to the legs so how would you approach a bench in that aspect
2: okay so again main movement obviously is going to be bench press yeah progressed linearly over time so starting at 70 percent going to 75 plus five percent over the weeks the assistance work then really will come down hard to what somebody has been doing before and what their weakness is so like if all you've ever done is bench pressed and you don't have a big set of pecs it's probably it's probably pretty safe to infer from that that the bench press isn't a very effective pec builder for you
0: yeah
2: and um, so you know if you've been bench pressing to improve your bench press and if it's stalled out and you've got these little soft flappy pecs but you've got massive shoulders and big <laughs> biceps <laughs> It's, it's probably a sign you need more direct pec work. Yeah. So we might do something like uh, an incline bench, uh, incline dumbbells, dumbbell flat, or something I'm experimenting a bit more with now is wider grip bench pressing. Obviously, that brings the risk of shoulder issues. So that's done on the Express uh, qualification that you don't have a shoulder issue and that you can maintain good, adequate scapular positioning and you don't get shoulder pain when you do it, because if you do, you need something else. Um, so usually like our two go go-to assistance movements for bench pressing are usually for the first phase say for six weeks there'll be an incline dumbbell press and a wide grip bench press for the next six weeks uh, it usually becomes something more tricep and shoulder dominant so a cluster bench press probably be an overhead press so we'll spend you know maybe four to six weeks focusing on a specific area and if it's really really far behind what we'll do is spend 12 weeks on it and just change the exercises so instead of a wide grip bench press, you've got a dumbbell press. Instead of an incline bench press, you've got an incline dumbbell bench press. So something similar enough, but just different enough to preserve the stimulus. And then in between both of those, you're doing some sort of, you know, scapular stabilization or external rotation work. So it could be scap pull-ups with external rotations. It could be band pull-up parts and trap tree raises, but something, basically something to... To retract your shoulders and counteract all the pressing work where the bench press day varies a bit from the squat day is the specific stuff the d section at the end becomes all about rows i was so, going to
0: say actually you know would, it, would there be a lot more pulling involved
2: yeah so like all the way through like with your two assistance movements you have some sort of lighter easier like scapular retraction movement so let's call that a pull so you're, you're balancing push pull on that side but then at the end, you're really hammering it. You're doing two, maybe three different exercises for pulling. We're really we're focusing a lot more on horizontal pulling at the moment, so a lot of rows and a lot of row variations. Yeah. Mostly because people are really bad at chin-ups and pull-ups. Yeah. yeah. And it's the sort of thing where if you want to train them adequately, it's a very, very long road to do. And in a group setting, it can be very, very hard to do and do a good job on. Whereas, if you focus on getting your deadlift stronger and your rowing strength stronger, usually what happens is your pull-ups almost happen without thinking about it. Like, we had a girl a couple of weeks ago who almost fell off a pull-up bar laughing because she did a pull-up and not expected her to do one. <laughs> That's great. Like the, the last time she tried to do a pull-up, I think her deadlift was 20 or 30 kilos less. And I don't think she's ever barbell rowed before. So when you wow. stack two of those boys together, then all of a sudden everything gets easier. And any time you increase the strength of the total system of everything in your body, then the transfer across to other exercise becomes that much better. And that's, again, why being stronger is so important for females because there's certain things, like there's just certain movements girls will struggle with versus guys, and there's certain movements to excel at. And if you can use the movements they excel at, for example, a deadlift, to improve the movements where they'll naturally struggle, like a pull-up, then why wouldn't you do that?
1: And how do you convince women? Because, James, you're pretty hench yourself. You know, if I, if I popped into your gym and said, I'm looking for a fat loss program or something and, and saw you, you know, you're a big guy, all muscle, and said you need to strength train. Do you do, do women take some convincing, or have you got female um, trainers that do that for you?
2: <laughs> I think I think the message we put across, like we're very active on social media, we're very active by email. We do a lot of free giveaways and a lot of free webinars where we talk about why we do strength training. Yeah, uh, it's unusual. We'll have somebody come in unqualified who won't kind of understand what we do. And um, if it was the case where somebody let's say for example walked in off the street they didn't know what we did and they said okay i need to lose all this weight but usually like i always ask people what they've done before because it will sort of guide what i do from then on with them so i'll always find out what they've done before and if there's ever any resistance to you know strength training i'll just get them to list out what they've done before wait a second and ask how's that work for you usually at that point they go okay good point yeah, so let's see the line let's just try something different give me six weeks if it doesn't work you can call me all the names under the sun but i guarantee you in six weeks you'll feel better than you ever have and you will look better than you have in years
1: and do you ever get um this is one thing that matt and i noticed when we were running sort of quite a lot of group sessions is um don't get me wrong about i'd say like 80 to 90 percent of women just drop fat so quickly doing strength training resistance work and, and some interval training but there is a small percentage that do stack on muscle really easily And actually get um, quite upset about that and would be saying to us, and and we would first sort of say, we need to look at your nutrition. And the bit of research that I've been doing is sort of, they're trying to establish now whether strength training can elevate testosterone in women. But I think it's if you're slightly more predisposed to high testosterone anyway. So generally, some women just look slightly more athletic. I mean, we we sort of had one client who just used to look at her weight and would increase her muscle mass really quickly, wouldn't she? And she'd get quite upset about it because she wanted to train and exercise but didn't want that size.
2: Yeah, no, I I definitely hear you on that one. I can think, actually, I can think of a couple of girls that it does happen with, that I've met personally, but they'd be absolutely in the minority. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've had a few complain about it. While they've been complaining about it, their skinfold measurements have also gone up. So, you know, that's clearly not muscle going on there. It's it's fat.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Like, I think on the testosterone thing, it's probably like alcohol. You're an asshole before you have a drink. You're going to be an even bigger raging asshole afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) If if you look like an athlete and if you look like you strength train and then you start strength training, what's probably going to happen is it's going to make those qualities more apparent.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: That's such a good example. I love that. Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) You can have that. Cheers, buddy. But
1: then I do. I agree with you in that the type that do, I mean, there's quite a lot of links in women with high testosterone and stress. Yeah. So I think some of it is also an increase in body fat coupled with all sorts of cortisol issues. So it's a really good point you made there, actually, that their skin folds do tend to go up as well.
2: Yeah, that's that's why we track everything. Like, we'll track, everyone will we'll do a foresight and everyone has the minimum baseline. So shoulder blades, um, super iliac, bicep and tricep because they kind of cover off all the major areas. Um, and if they're moving up while somebody's complaining of getting muscle, it's usually a sign their nutrition is way out of whack. Yeah. If if somebody did like let's say okay, look, I've never met a guy who complains he's to getting too much muscle too fast. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. you'd be
1: worried about that really wouldn't I you have
2: had, I have had a few give out to me for ruining their golf game because all of a sudden they're overhitting the green by 30 or 40 yards <laughs> um, never one who complained about too much muscle um, But like hypothetically speaking if it was a female who did have that problem I'd probably stay away from volume so like when I was saying about 5 sets of 8 um, and higher rep resistance work I'd probably just step, set to sticks, sticks stick to sets of between maybe three and five reps, and keep the number of sets relatively low.
1: Yeah, you're the second person that said that. Actually, well, else said that. I was, was going to say because the cause the,
0: the studies that I've looked at lately have shown exactly that. That the, it's the higher rep stuff that increases testosterone more so than the than the strength based work.
1: But the issue with women is they often slightly more they like quite enjoy the higher rep stuff often because it's a bit more can feel a bit more cardiovascular and endurance based.
0: So. They're often you can better feel at it.
1: The burn. Yeah, basically. Yeah, well that,
0: that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, like you said, like initially it kind of feels like women need a little bit of convincing to lift heavier. But then once they can actually start seeing the numbers go up on the bar and going down elsewhere, if you know what I mean. Yeah. All of a sudden they're just like a whole different animal. But it's that, I suppose, that initial psychological approach to, to training. Like, do do you ever have um, com- people that completely rebel against that.
2: Yeah, I think. Yeah, if you train enough people, you're gonna get somebody who just wants to fight everything you do. Yeah. <laughs> and most of the time, I'll, I'll I'll just recommend somebody else.
1: Yeah,
2: I was gonna say. <laughs> exactly. I really, I, I genuinely believe we can help every single person get to their weight loss and appearance goals. You have to want to be helped. Like, I'm not gonna spend my day desperately trying to convince you our system is the right way. We have a fricking website full of testimonials. We have a ton of guys and girls who've done it. So I don't need to prove anything anymore. It's more about, you know, if you're ready for this and if you're, if you're prepared to give it all you've got, I'll reciprocate in kind, but I'm not going to beg you to train and get yeah,
1: stronger. that's great. What um, do you do sort of nutrition-wise with them then? Do they have a, a program to follow, I'm assuming, or just is it very sort of basic guidelines?
2: Uh... I'm a huge fan of the precision nutrition model, where you kind of look and assess levels. Um, So the first thing we'll do is like a seven-day food journal and see where somebody's at, add good stuff back in, so making sure fat content's up, making sure protein is there, and looking for any sort of micronutrient deficiency. Once that's locked down, we'll go with um, like just a standard eat your meal slower, so take 15 minutes to eat a meal rather than just wolfing the food down. And normally, what happens is when somebody eats slower, they all of a sudden start to feel fuller. When they feel fuller, they eat less, and without changing anything else other than the length of time the meal is in front of them, for they start losing weight. So, how
0: how would you stay on nutrition? Because obviously, the type of energy systems you use when doing more strength-based work compared to more glycogen depletion work. So, how would you? adjust nutrition in that sense, Uh, maybe start off with like more of like a pre-post workout thing.
2: Okay, Um, so the thing we've had the biggest success with over the last six months has been carb cycling Uh, and going with a really like a really either high carb or no carb day. We've experimented with a couple of setups where we've had like high, medium, low but the thing we've had the biggest success with is having a high carb day on training days Mm -hmm. and then no carb day elsewhere so like if you're training you know four days a week we'll probably have three high carb days on your three heaviest days and one moderate day on your superset day and then three days with no carb intake and when I say no carb I mean like unlimited veg yeah yeah okay I was going to ask you that actually but eliminating like starchy stuff like like potatoes
0: And, Um, and, and on those days would you bump fats up a bit or what
2: yeah, we'll, we'll usually pull fats up on the no carb days and drop fats down on the higher carb days. Uh, with the with the actual carb timings on the on the no carb day or on the high carb day, we don't. I don't worry too much about it. I prefer to see the brunt of them going in around the workout. So, like for me, for example, like I'm sitting at about 100 kilos at the moment, and I'm trying to drop a little bit of body fat. So on my high carb days, I'm taking in around 300 grams of carbs, right. and I'm, I'm trying to get about 100 in before work, get 100 in after work, gets the extra 100 somewhere else during the day. If we can control, if we can control for for consistent carb intake across the high carb days, I'm not too concerned because the nature of the nature of the training means that you're going to be hungry afterwards and you're going to be looking to eat.
1: And is that the same for men and women? You'll do carb cycling for both
2: um we actually go higher carb for girls cars yeah
1: yeah we tend to we're the
2: same mate Ah, okay cool i thought
0: i was the only one <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. well, it's the, just... we
1: don't really cycle though to be fair we, we're we a bit don't... more i'm bit well i'm a bit more consistent in my recommendations for women i just feel that they i don't know that's just how i do it at the moment but yeah but well, we, like, we... I'll,
2: I'll try and meet somebody where they're at though yeah like, i mean yeah. if somebody's training in the gym six months and they're hitting 80 percent good food consistency then yeah maybe we'll look at like cyclic days where we'll have high carb days and low carb days but if somebody walks in having never trained before usually the first few months are just spent getting the real food rather than yeah cycling so again just getting those basics right yeah and again it's just it's it's so unsexy to say it and it's so boring but it's like just work the basics work them hard work them consistently
0: But the thing is, I mean, I mean, you you say boring,
2: but to us, it's
0: you know, people just want to jump over that bit, and all of a sudden, it's you know, what's the what's the best protocol for this? What's that? It's like, well, are you eating you know three or four nice solid square meals a day? No. Well, it's like we'll get that right, and then we can you know progress from there. But how would you on a on a low carb day or a no carb day, as you put it, what would a post workout what would your post workout be on that day compared to a high carb day?
2: Okay, so it's unusual, like, we won't have somebody training on a no-carb day if it can be avoided, specifically because we don't really get a chance then to push carbs into them. Right, okay.
0: Okay, so that makes sense, because you said you do, you normally do four training sessions a week with your groups, right? And you do three no-carb days.
2: Yeah, so it'll be three no-carb, three high-carb, and then on the fourth training day, it'll be, I guess, like, low-moderate. So they'll have a post-workout shake of some sort, or, you know, a, a starchy meal afterwards. So like their their only carb intake for that day will be, depending on body weight, you know, 30 to 75 grams of net carbs.
1: And what sort of source of carbohydrates do you tend to recommend?
2: For general day-to-day stuff, like for our our normal meals, where possible sticking to rice, sweet potato, you know, root veg, that sort of stuff. Like every now and again, I'll program in stuff like, you know, gluten-free bread. I'll put some wraps in there for people, mostly if I know they're going to eat them anyway just so we have an element of,
1: of control that can
2: kind of guide them on it. Yeah. Obviously it's not perfect, but again, the best program in the world is only the best program if somebody can, can do it. Yeah. So with the post-workout, to be honest, we don't really, we don't overthink it too much. Like something like Vitargo or some sort of fast stomach clearing carb source would be perfect, but in dextrose, glucose, anything like that post-workout with a shake is cool. Any of the good quality commercially available most well, workout shakes are usually what we recommend
0: awesome mate I love it I'm actually getting a buzz I, I feel like I need to go and train after this
1: he's <laughs> you should, you should probably mentioned that you've asked James well you're going to ask James for a program
0: yes James is going to be my strength coach and he's just going to turn me into a, an absolute
2: finally going to get to muscle automatic.
0: I know mate <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so sick of being skinny
2: <laughs> what
1: about me I want a nice bum you've
0: got <laughs> a cracking bum what are you on about
1: i could well, probably sorry. do with the program more than you to be fair i'm used you
0: could probably do us a his and hers yeah. we Would can we train you? together
2: yeah God, yeah we already get better results <laughs> you'll know who trains harder off the back of it then yeah. Oh,
0: kevin's trains harder than me we don't yeah. need to uh <laughs> <laughs> that's always been uh I, I i i do you know you said kind of like doing like the doing the minimum requirement yeah. like that's me I've been following that philosophy for, for many years now. Oh,
1: yeah, it's very annoying. If you
2: actually train, you'd probably be in really good shape. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, on, on that, like, man, girls train so much harder than guys.
1: Yeah, I second that, definitely. Guys
2: are the biggest fecking babies in the gym. Yeah. <laughs>
0: See, it's good you said fecking, so we don't need to edit that out because technically no. that's not a swear word. No. <laughs> no
2: that's, that's like the orange love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no. Um, yeah, the... the bloody they're such they're such little children like the guys feel a little bit of a burn and they just complain whereas like with a girl like the best part of training a girl who hasn't trained before is she doesn't know what she should be doing yeah. so she walks into the gym we give her a weight and we say here do this and then we kind of give her more weight and we give her more weight and we just keep programming fairly aggressively to the point where if you were on the internet reading about it on a forum you'd read it and go oh there's no way she should be able to do that but really? well, guess what she just did because she doesn't know any better she hasn't imposed yes. self-limiting beliefs on herself
1: yeah
2: yeah How like that yeah. like yeah, we that's girls so true. we had a couple of girls in yesterday doing like half kneeling dumbbell presses with 10 kilo dumbbells who'd never strength trained before oh wow Like kind of four or five weeks into the program and the reason they did it is because we said here do this
1: yeah nope. do you know what? i think that was okay. my best my best time training was when i first got into it and had no idea of what a good deadlift was as in how heavy it. You know, what's a decent deadlift for a woman and what sort of weight kettlebell should you be swinging? And it was actually when I started progressing with certifications and adding that pressure that yeah. I think it all went a bit wrong for me because suddenly you do then actually put probably, you know, you don't really listen to your body as much and you, you will compromise um, form just to hit that number. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I think it can go a little bit wrong there for, well, it did for me anyway, and I think for a lot of people is you just become too hard on yourself.
2: Yeah, and that's that's kind of why we always chase mechanics first. So we yeah. always look for like the movement to look proper before we start adding uh, any intensity on top of it. But like the, the the knowledge thing is is such a funny one. Like we've girls doing stuff in the gym, which most guys couldn't even conceive of, <laughs> but, but they're doing it because they don't know any better. Like my girlfriend's seventy five kilos, she squats one thirty. Wow. What? I have, another, <laughs> I have another girl in there training who's not too far off that body weight squatting like mid-20s
0: that is insane there's like there's so many dudes that can't do that
2: yeah they wouldn't do that that's crazy that is insane like we've a like I think probably 75% of the female population of the gym pulls over 100 kilos and, and they only do it because they don't realise it's a big deal but the, just coming back to what you said there Karis about kind of the more certifications you attend the more you learn the best progress I ever had in my life was when I was in a powerlifting gym and I just had guys shouting at me, do more reps. You've got five jacked guys around you shouting at you, you're gonna do the reps. Yeah. You don't think about like, oh, with the perfect tempo and the prescribed rep scheme. It's like, just do the work. You do the work, you get stronger. And then when you do start to set rep limits on yourself or rep targets, I don't know all about this. Like I'm doing four sets of eight today and I want it to be hard. I've almost guaranteed to fail on the seventh or eighth rep in the fourth set. If I had a set, I'm doing four sets of 10, the 7th or 8th rep would probably fail on the ninth or 10th. It's almost like we set up this expectation of failure when we, do, um, when we set certain rep schemes for ourselves.
0: How often, speaking of reps, how often would you test uh, a one rep max?
2: It kind of, it, it'll depend again on the person. I'm sure I'm being a pain at this stage because everything is so grey, but like, let's say for an average guy, um, we'll usually go every six to eight weeks. If there's somebody who's more advanced and they've got a longer training history, probably push it out to 12 to 16 weeks. If it's somebody who's a competitive powerlifter, probably three times a year.
0: Because you not think a big mistake – I mean, I, I, you know, I, I don't consider myself a strength coach. I, see, I consider myself a strength enthusiast because uh, I've got no qualification in it. But something that I see a lot that I most definitely was guilty of at one point, I was just trying to go heavy and get heavier all the time. It was like every workout needed to be heavier than the last. And yeah. I just hit massive wall after wall after wall and obviously I saw some initial progress but um, that was kind of why I asked on the one rep max thing because um, do you not think so many people make that mistake of just trying to go to put too much weight on the bar too soon?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of the hardest things to coach out of somebody because it's, it's, not a, it's not a training mentality, it's a testing mentality. Every workout becomes a test. It's how much can I do today? Can I do this? Can I do that? It's never, you know, I'm going to do this today so I can do this tomorrow. With strength training especially, like let's say you're constantly doing like 90 plus percent. Eventually you're going to hit that wall after three or four weeks where you start to go backwards and you start to get weaker. Then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose, you panic. So what's the logical thing to do there? Increase the weight, struggle to get more reps, and then you break something. Um, So one of the things I picked up this year from Christian Thibodeau was just like, until you can do your old one rep max for three, you've no business testing. And wow, okay. And that's kind of why our, our programming is built the way it's built. Because over six weeks, you kind of start at 70%. You head on up 5% a week until you get to 95% of your old one rep max for five sets of three reps. And if you can do like 95% five sets of three, you can probably do 100% for three. And right. if you then can do that, you know you're probably about ten percent stronger. So yeah, like the, the the training versus testing thing is huge, and way too many people are too eager to go. oh, what can I do today? I've had a great couple of weeks training. Can I test? Yeah. And the amount of people i upset by saying no, stop being an idiot, um, is quite high. <laughs> <laughs> but they always they always thank me in the end because they see the payoff on the back end.
0: And of course, and I mean, but I mean, because don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, it's obviously when you know that you're progressing, it's an amazing feeling. Hitting a wall is just not fun at all. No. And you know, the second I just kind of stepped back and, and just kind of looked at what I was doing and stopped putting that pressure on myself to be stronger every single week, my, my strength literally just went through the roof. Um, yeah. you know, so on that note, mate, when are we going to get my program off the ground? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm what keen I need
2: you to do is test your one rep max squat, one rep max bench press, and one rep max deadlift. Send me a video of it. Oh God. <laughs> yep, yeah, I can't lie now.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good point.
2: And, and the reason I want videos is two things: to one, number number one, make sure you're doing the movement properly, and then two, to see how hard it looks and what sort of like movement issues you have, or what sort of muscular weaknesses show up.
0: Sorry, I was just saying, what angle would you want the the squat video to be at?
2: Uh, say three three quarters from the front.
0: Right. Okay. Or,
2: You know what I mean when I say that, yeah?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, mate.
2: And then deadlift deadlift goes side view. Bench press doesn't matter too much. Um, With the squat, the requirements are make sure you keep your feet flat on the ground, you get your hips below parallel, and you stand back up again. Uh, With the bench press, what you're looking to do is to keep your feet flat on the floor, your bum, shoulders, and head on the bench at all times, and not bounce the bar off your chest. So imagine like you're touching the bar off your chest and there's a little egg there you don't want to break.
0: So yeah. yeah okay cool, so no bounce yeah.
2: Bounce, Yeah just a strict touch and go, no bounce, no heave. The thing with like the thing with testing is if you test badly and you put forth like a poor quality done lift you end up having to cheat it even more next time to beat it. Like So you might like say get a hundred kilo high squat at the start and then you get like a hundred kilo below parallel squat at the end it looks beautiful and you feel like you have in progress because the number in the bar hasn't increased you don't look at the technique improvements you don't look at how much better the movement itself looks you know that sort of way
0: yeah, yeah yeah and
2: then with the deadlift um the only requirement you're looking for is to stand up straight without hitching it against
0: your legs so basically don't air hump it so and can and you're happy for people to wear straps and stuff on the deads
2: um my take my take on the strap thing is a bit different probably to most people Um the straps Look, ideally, you wouldn't use them. Mm-hmm. But I know you hate shock, and you can't find it anywhere.
0: <laughs> do, do, do you know the main reason for me? The reason because I never used to use straps. Yeah. And but the reason I started using them is because my back didn't like the underhand overhand grip. Really. Yeah. And and um, I I went back to them recently, and my back just hated it. Um yeah. you know, and, and either way as well, either variation on the grip. And I was like, Do you know what? I'm just gonna do my grip work elsewhere and yeah. stick to straps on the deadlifts.
2: Hundred percent. Like and that's 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 the deadlift one for me, is like the deadlift has probably the biggest requirement for you to exert force through your muscles that any movement you can do will have. Like I mean, everything from the base of your heel up to the top of your head is working. So why would you limit the amount of work you can do on that because your little hands are crap? So, like, if you have a grip issue, go train your grip. Don't yeah. let it inhibit the strongest, most powerful muscles in your body. Yeah, totally. But just make sure you are training your grip.
0: Oh, always. Yeah, I wish. we'll yeah, look <laughs> at that as well. <laughs> well one, one more than the other, but, you know, yeah. what can you do? You have to bleep that out, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mate, um, th- mate, this is awesome. Right. Ah, no, good. Thank you so much for your time, James. Mate, we're going to have to wrap up. I'm really sorry. That's okay. Because um, I could talk about this all day. So, so got
1: Podcasting in about five minutes
0: yeah yeah. Um, but it's been amazing to have a a strength coach on man and we 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 always knew that you you, sorry i forgot we're still
1: recording
0: yeah we're still recording
1: sorry i thought
0: you'd stop no don't (laughs) (laughs) know yeah it's just so good to have a strength coach on the on the uh, podcast mate and we knew that you were the man for the job so yeah appreciate all those tips there
2: yeah I loved it man thanks, uh, thanks to yourself and the Karen
0: for having me on no 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 pleasure and we'll definitely get you on again mate because I'm sure there's a gazillion other things that we, we can talk about for sure
1: I think a Q&A with our listeners would be really great we can, yeah I mean because yeah, we did sure.
0: we, we did have some questions but to be honest you, you kind of answered a lot of them yeah, just did. as you were going through anyway so it kind of seems silly to ask the questions because we'd just be repeating ourselves and uh, James just very quickly buddy um, you are based in Dublin um, oh, yeah. so tell our listeners where they can get some little uh, a little bit more information about yourself i can first hand say um, i'm subscribed to james's uh... newsletter that goes out pretty much every single day and it is absolutely awesome content every single time so definitely sign up for that Um but where where can people get a little bit more info about you buddy uh...
2: the best thing to do i think for you guys is to go on to revolutionfitness.ie forward slash fitter food so f-i-t-t-e-or F-O-O-D. What I have there, and I've done it for Matt and Karis, is put a six-week free training program together. So basically, we'll be, you'll be weekly given content based off of what we said today. So you'll have a complete training program, uh, 24 training sessions over six weeks guaranteed to make you at least 10% stronger. That's so amazing. turn your old one rep max into a three rep max. Um, and you'll get to experience real strength training first hand when you sign up to get that you'll also start getting my daily emails Um, and then if you just want to see the website it's just revolutionfitness.ie
0: that's awesome mate and um, I'm hoping at some point we did kind of chat about this briefly in a message uh, some time ago uh, doing a little bit of a a joint seminar together covering nutrition and strength training which would be an absolutely epic weekend if you ask me so uh, fingers crossed we can get that off the ground at some point too
2: Absolutely, buddy. You just say where and when and we'll
0: make it happen. Awesome. Well, it would definitely be in Dublin because (laughs) I love getting out of London.
2: Um, (laughs) I was going to say the same thing, Dublin. (laughs) (laughs) We'll
0: have to do two then. There you go. Yeah, do that. All right, listen.
2: Thanks, guys. Mate,
0: you're an absolute legend. Enjoy the rest of the day, buddy.
2: I will. Good luck with the rest of the podcast, guys. Cheers, mate. bye. Bye. Bye.